So we begin Bible in a Year, week 24, on day 162, and we continue this story of Israel through First Kings and Second Chronicles. Uh, and the two go side by side again today, and we start at First Kings chapter 22, verse 7 to 9. But Jehoshaphat asked, Isn't there a prophet of Yahweh here anymore? Let's ask him. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man who can ask the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good about me, only disaster. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king shouldn't say that, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hurry and get Micaiah, son of Imlah. And the same in Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse 6 to 8. But Jehoshaphat asked, Isn't there a prophet of Yahweh here anymore? Let's ask him. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man who can ask the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good about me, only disaster. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king shouldn't say that, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hurry and get Micaiah, son of Imlah. Then back into 1 Kings 22, verse 13 to 28. The messenger who went to call Micaiah instructed him, Look, the words of the prophets are unanimously favourable for the king. So let your words be like theirs and speak favourably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, I will say whatever the Lord says to me. So he went to the king, and the king asked him, Micaiah, should we go to Ramoth-Gilead for war, or should we refrain? Micaiah told him, March up and succeed. The Lord will hand it over to the king. But the king said to him, How many times must I make you swear not to tell me anything but the truth in the name of the Lord? So Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, They have no master. Let everyone return home in peace. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you he never prophesies good about me but only disaster? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and the whole heavenly host was standing by him at his right hand and at his left hand. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to march up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one was saying this, and another was saying that. Then a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord, and said, I will entice him. The Lord asked him, How? He said, I will go and become a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, You will certainly entice him and prevail. Go and do that. You see, the Lord has put a lying spirit into the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has pronounced disaster against you. Then Zedekiah, son of China, came up, hit Micaiah in the face, and demanded, Did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you? Micaiah replied, You will soon see when you go to hide yourself in an inner chamber on that day. Then the king of Israel ordered, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash the king's son, and say, This is what the king says, Put this guy in prison and feed him only bread and water until I come back safely. But Micaiah said, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he said, Listen, all you people. And we read the same in Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse 12 to 27. The messenger who went to call Micaiah instructed him, Look, the words of the prophets are unanimously favourable for the king. So let your words be like theirs and speak favourably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, I will say whatever the Lord says to me. So he went to the king, and the king asked him, Micaiah, should we go to Ramoth-Gilead for war, or should we refrain? Micaiah told him, 
March up and succeed. The Lord will hand it over to the king. But the king said to him, How many times must I make you swear not to tell me anything but the truth in the name of the Lord? So Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, They have no master. Let everyone return home in peace. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you he never prophesies good about me, but only disaster? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and the whole heavenly host was standing by him at his right hand and at his left hand. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab to march up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one was saying this, and another was saying that. Then a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord, and said, I will entice him. The Lord asked him, How? He said, I will go and become a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, You will certainly entice him and prevail. Go and do that. You see, the Lord has put a lying spirit into the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has pronounced disaster against you. Then Zedekiah, son of China, came up, hit Micaiah in the face, and demanded, Did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you? Micaiah replied, You will soon see when you go to hide yourself in an inner chamber on that day. Then the king of Israel ordered, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash the king's son, and say, This is what the king says, Put this guy in prison and feed him only bread and water until I come back safely. But Micaiah said, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he said, Listen, all you people. And back into First Kings chapter 22, verse 29 to 40. Then the king of Israel and Judah's king Jehoshaphat went up to Ramoth-Gilead. But the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your royal attire. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Aram had ordered his thirty-two chariot commanders, Do not fight with anyone at all except the king of Israel. When the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they shouted, He must be the king of Israel, so they turned to fight against him, but Jehoshaphat cried out. When the chariot commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a man drew his bow without taking special aim and struck the king of Israel through the joints of his armour. So he said to his charioteer, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am badly wounded. The battle raged throughout that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. He died that evening, and blood from his wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. Then the cry rang out in the army as the sun set, declaring, Each man to his own city, and each man to his own land. So the king died and was brought to Samaria. They buried the king in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot at the pool of Samaria. The dogs licked up his blood and the prostitutes bathed in it, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. The rest of the events of Ahab's reign, along with all his accomplishments, the ivory palace he built, and all the cities he built, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Ahab rested with his fathers and his son Ahaziah became king in his place. And then the same in Second Chronicles 18 Verse 28 to 34. Then the king of Israel and Judah's king Jehoshaphat went up to Ramoth-Gilead. But the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your royal attire. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Aram had ordered his thirty-two chariot commanders, Do not fight with anyone at all except the king of Israel. 
When the chariot commander saw Jehoshaphat, they shouted, He must be the king of Israel, so they turned to fight against him, but Jehoshaphat cried out. When the chariot commander saw that he was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a man drew his bow without taking special aim and struck the king of Israel through the joints of his armour. So he said to his charioteer, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am badly wounded. The battle raged throughout that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot, facing the Arameans until evening. Then he died at sunset. And we continue in Second Chronicles 19, verse 1 to 11. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, returned to his home in Jerusalem in peace. Then Jehu, son of Hanani the seer, went out to confront him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Do you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this the Lord's wrath is on you. However, some good is found in you, for you have removed the Asherah poles from the land and decided to seek God. Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, and once again he went out among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord God of their ancestors. He appointed judges in all the fortified cities of the land of Judah city by city. Then he said to the judges, Consider what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in this matter of judgment. And now may the terror of the Lord be on you. Watch what you do, for there is no injustice or partiality or taking bribes with the Lord our God. Jehoshaphat also appointed in Jerusalem some of the Levites and priests and some of the heads of the Israelite families for rendering the Lord's judgment and for settling disputes of the residents of Jerusalem. He commanded them, saying, In the fear of the Lord, with integrity and with a whole heart, you are to do the following. For every dispute that comes to you from your brothers who dwell in their cities, whether it regards differences of blood guilt, law, commandments, statutes or judgments, you are to warn them. So they will not incur guilt before the Lord, and wrath will not come on you and your brothers. Do this, and you will not incur guilt. Note that Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters related to the Lord, and Zebediah son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, in all matters related to the king, and the Levites are officers in your presence. Be strong, may the Lord be with those who do what is good. And then Psalm 82 verse 1 to 8 to finish today. God has taken his place in the divine assembly. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and needy. Save them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know or understand. They wander in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, You are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. However, you will die like men and fall away like any other ruler. Rise up, God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. And there we end, day 162. Day 163, and we continue through Jehoshaphat's story in Second Chronicles. And it's mostly just Second Chronicles today, along with a number of Psalms thrown in also. And we begin at Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 13. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, together with some of the Meonites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast multitude from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he resolved to seek the Lord. 
So he proclaimed a fast for all Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. He said, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend? They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, If disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you, for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress, and you will hear and deliver. Now here are the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt. But Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast multitude that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives and their children. And there we read Psalm 83 verse 1 to 18. God, do not keep silent. Do not be deaf, God, do not be idle. See how your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have acted arrogantly. They devise clever schemes against your people. They conspire against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation, so that Israel's name will no longer be remembered. For they have conspired with one mind. They form an alliance against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gadal, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre, even Assyria has joined them. They lend support to the sons of Lot. Deal with them as you did with Midian, as you did with Sisera and Jabin at the Kishon River. They were destroyed at Endor. They became manure for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, and all their tribal leaders like Zeba and Zalmana who said, Let us seize God's pastures for ourselves. Make them like tumbleweed, my God, like straw before the wind. As fire burns a forest, as a flame blazes through mountains, so pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Cover their faces with shame so that they will seek your name, Lord. Let them be put to shame and terrified forever. Let them perish in disgrace. May they know that you alone, whose name is Yahweh, are the most high over all the earth. Then we read Second Chronicles 20, verse 14 to 19. In the midst of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jahaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite from Asaph's descendants. And he said, Listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeruel. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. 
Then Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. Then the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting in a loud voice. And we read Psalm 46, verse 1-11. to God is our refuge and our strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her, she will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He burns up the chariots. Stop your fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Then we read Second Chronicles 20, verse 20 to 28. In the morning they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendour of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir, who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and were completely annihilated them. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. When Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and his people went to gather the plunder. They found among them an abundance of goods in the bodies and valuable items. So they stripped them until nobody could carry any more. They were gathering the plunder for three days because there was so much. They assembled in the valley of Barakah on the fourth day, for there they praised the Lord. Therefore that place is still called the valley of Barakah today. Then all the men of Judah and Jerusalem turned back with Jehoshaphat at their head, returning joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord enabled them to rejoice over their enemies. So they came into Jerusalem to the Lord's temple with harps, lyres, and trumpets. Then we read Psalm 48, verse 1 to 14. The Lord is great and is highly praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain rising splendidly is the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion on the slopes of the north is the city of the great king. God is known as a stronghold in its citadels. Look, the kings assembled, they advanced together. They looked and froze with fear, they fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, agony like that of a woman in labour, as you wrecked the ships of Tarshish with the east wind. Just as we heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. God, within your temple we contemplate your faithful love. Your name, God, like your praise, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with justice. 
Mount Zion is glad, the towns of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Go around Zion, encircle it, count its towers, note its ramparts, tour its citadels, so that you can tell a future generation, this God, our God, forever and ever, he will lead us eternally. Then we read Second Chronicles 20, verse 29 to 30, and then verse 35 to 37. The terror of God was in all the kingdoms of the lands when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then Jehoshaphat's kingdom was quiet, for his God gave him rest on every side. After this, Judah's king Jehoshaphat made an alliance with Israel's king Azariah, who was guilty of wrongdoing. Jehoshaphat formed an alliance with him to make ships go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in Ezion-Geber. Then Eliezer, son of Doduvahu of Marashah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you formed an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord has broken up what you have made. So the ships were wrecked and were not able to go to Tarshish. And then we read 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 44, then verse 47 to 49, and then 51 to 53. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. There was no king in Edom, a deputy served as king. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they did not go because the ships were wrecked at Ezion-Geber. At that time Ahaziah son of Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat was not willing. Ahaziah son of Ahab became king over Israel and Samaria in the seventeenth year of Judah's king Jehoshaphat. He reigned over Israel two years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He walked in the way of his father, in the way of his mother, and in the way of Jeroboam son of Nebat, who had caused Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him. He provoked the Lord God of Israel just as his father had done. And then we move into Second Kings chapter 1 verse 1 to 2 and then chapter 3 4 to 5. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Ahaziah had fallen through the latticed window of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers instructing them, Go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, if I will recover from this injury. And then chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. King Mesha of Moab was a sheep breeder. He used to pay the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And there we end, day 163. Day 164, and we continue through the story of Elisha. And we read from Second Kings chapter 1, verse 3, through to verse 18. Uh, and then we skip into some other chapters, but we read first that, verse 3 to 6 to 18. But the angel of the Lord said to Elisha the Tishbite, Go and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore this is what the Lord says, You will not get up from your sickbed, you will certainly die. Then Elijah left. The messengers returned to the king who asked them, Why have you come back? They replied, A man came to meet us and said, Go back to the king who sent you and declare to him, This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending these men to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore you will not get up from your sickbed, you will certainly die. The king asked them, What sort of man came up to meet you and spoke these words to you? 
They replied, a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. He said, it's Elijah the Tishbite. So King Ahaziah sent a captain of fifty with his fifty men to Elijah. When the captain went up to him, he was sitting on top of the hill. He announced, man of God, the king declares, come down. Elijah responded to the captain of the fifty, if I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty men. So the king sent another captain of fifty with his fifty men to Elijah. He took in the situation and announced, Man of God, this is what the king says, come down immediately. Elijah responded, If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. So a divine fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty men. Then the king sent a third captain of fifty with his fifty men. The third captain of fifty went up and fell on his knees in front of Elijah and begged him, Man of God, please let my life and the lives of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Already fire has come down from heaven and consumed the first two captains of fifty with their fifties, but this time let my life be precious in your sight. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him, don't be afraid of him. So he got up and went down with him to the king. Then Elijah said to King Ahaziah, this is what the Lord says, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel for you to inquire of his will? You will certainly not get up from your sickbed, you will certainly die. Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Since he had no son, Joram became king in his place. This happened in the second year of Judah's king Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat. The rest of the events of Ahaziah's reign, along with his accomplishments, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Then we read chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Joram son of Ahab became king over Israel in Samaria during the 18th year of Judah's king Jehoshaphat. He reigned 12 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not like his father and mother, for he removed the sacred pillar of Baal his father had made. Nevertheless, Joram clung to the sins that Jeroboam son of Nebat had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Then we read from chapter 2 verse 1 through to chapter 3 verse 20. The time had come for the Lord to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha were travelling from Gilgal and Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord is sending me on to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? He said, Yes, I know, be quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, the Lord is sending me to Jericho. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were in Jericho came up to Elisha and said, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? He said, Yes, I know, be quiet. Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord is sending me to the Jordan. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men from the sons of the prophets came and stood facing them from a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the waters, which parted to the left and right. Then the two of them crossed over on dry ground. After they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. 
So Elisha answered, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Elijah replied, You have asked for something difficult. If you see me being taken away from you, you will have it. If not, you won't. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up into heaven in the whirlwind. As Elisha watched, he kept crying out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Then he never saw Elijah again. He took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Elisha picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle that Elijah had dropped and struck the waters. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? he asked. He struck the waters himself and they parted to the right and the left and Elisha crossed over. When the sons of the prophets from Jericho who were facing him saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed down to the ground in front of him. Then the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Since there are fifty strong men here with your servants, please let them go and search for your master. Maybe the spirit of the Lord has carried him away and put him in one of the mountains or into one of the valleys. He answered, Don't send them. However, they urged him to the point of embarrassment, so he said, Send them. They sent fifty men who looked for three days but did not find him. When they returned to him in Jericho where he was staying, he said to them, Didn't I tell you not to go? Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Even though our Lord can see that the city's location is good, the water is bad and the land unfruitful. He replied, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. After they had brought him one, Elisha went out to the spring of water, threw salt in it and said, This is what the Lord says, I have healed this water, no longer will death or unfruitfulness result from it. Therefore the water remains healthy to this very day, according to the word that Elisha spoke. From there Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking up the path, some small boys came out of the city and harassed him, chanting, Go up, Baldy! Go up, Baldy! He turned around, looked at them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled forty-two of the youths. From there Elisha went to Mount Carmel, and then he returned to Samaria. And then on to chapter 3, verse 6 to verse 20. So King Joram marched out from Samaria at that time and mobilized all Israel. Then he sent a message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? Jehoshaphat said, I will go. I am as you are my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he asked which route should we take. Joram replied, The route of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom set out. After they had travelled their indirect route for seven days, they had no water for the army or their animals. Then the king of Israel said, Oh no, the Lord has summoned us three kings only to hand us over to Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Let's inquire of the Lord through him. One of the servants of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, who used to pour water on Elijah's hands, is here. Jehoshaphat affirmed, The Lord's words are with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went to him. However, Elisha said to king Joram of Israel, We have nothing in common. Go to the prophets of your father and your mother. But the king of Israel replied, No, because it is the Lord who has summoned us three kings to hand us over to Moab. Elisha responded, As the Lord of hosts lives, I stand before him. 
If I did not have respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah, I would not look at you. I wouldn't take notice of you. Now bring me a musician. While the musician played, the Lord's hand came on Elisha. And then he said, This is what the Lord says. Dig ditch after ditch in this wadi, for the Lord says you will not see wind or rain, but the wadi will be filled with water and you will drink, you and your cattle and your animals. This is easy in the Lord's sight. He will also hand Moab over to you. Then you must attack every fortified city and every choice city. You must cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water. You must ruin every good piece of land with stones. About the time for the grain offering the next morning, water suddenly came from the direction of Edom and filled the land. And there we end, day 164. Day 165, and we continue through some of these stories. First of all today, reading from chapter 3, verse 21, through to chapter 4, verse 37. All Moab had heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, so all who could bear arms from the youngest to the oldest were summoned and took their stand at the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining and the water, and the Moabites saw that the water across from them was red like blood. This is blood, they exclaimed. The kings have clashed swords and killed each other, so to the spoil of Moab. However, when the Moabites came to Israel's camp, the Israelites attacked them and they fled from them. So Israel went into the land and struck down the Moabites. They destroyed the cities and each of them threw stones to cover every piece of good land. They stopped up every spring of water and cut down every good tree. In the end, only the buildings of Ker Harasheth were left. Then men with slings surrounded the city and attacked it. When the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took 700 swordsmen with him to try to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not do it. So he took his firstborn son, who was to become king in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering on the city wall. Great wrath was on the Israelites, and they withdrew from him and returned to their land. One of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, has died. You know that your servant feared the Lord. Now the creditor is coming to take my two children as his slaves. Elisha asked her, What can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go and borrow empty containers from everyone from all your neighbours. Do not just get a few. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all these containers. Set the full ones to one side. So she left. After she had shut the door behind her and her sons, they kept bringing her containers and she kept pouring. When they were full, she said to her son, Bring me another container. But he replied, There aren't any more. Then the oil stopped. She went and told the man of God and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on the rest. One day Elisha went to Shunem. A prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. Then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God, so let's make a small room upstairs and put a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp there for him. Whenever he comes, he can stay there. One day he came there and stopped and went to the room upstairs to lie down. He ordered his attendant, Gehazi, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her and she stood before him. Then he said to Gehazi, Say to her, Look, you've gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I am living among my own people. So he asked, Then what should we do for you? Gehazi answered, 
Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. Call her, Elisha said. So Gehazi called her, and she stood in the doorway. Elisha said, At this time next year you will have a son in your arms. Then she said, No, my lord, man of God, do not deceive your servant. The woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time the following year, as Elisha had promised her. The child grew and one day went out to his father and the harvesters. Suddenly he complained to his father, My head, my head! His father told his servant, Carry him to his mother. So he picked him up and took him to his mother. The child sat in her lap until noon and then died. Then she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut him in and left. She summoned her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so I can hurry to the man of God and then come back. But he said, Why go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. She replied, Everything is all right. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Hurry, don't slow the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to his attendant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite woman. Run out to meet her and ask, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your son all right? And she answered, Everything's all right. When she came up to the man of God at the mountain, she clung to his feet. Gehazi came to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in severe anguish, and the Lord has hidden it from me. He hasn't told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, Do not deceive me? So Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your mantle under my belt. Take my staff with you and go. If you meet anyone, don't stop to greet him, and if a man greets you, don't answer him. Then place my staff in the boy's face. The boy's mother said to Elisha, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went ahead of them and placed the staff in the boy's face, but there was no sound or sign of life. So he went back to meet Elisha and told him the boy didn't wake up. Then Elisha got to the house. He discovered the boy lying dead on his bed. So he went in, closed the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the boy. He put mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. While he bent down over him, the boy's flesh became warm. Elisha got up, went into the house and paced back and forth. Then he went up and bent down over him again. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman. He called her and she came. Then Elisha said, Pick up your son. She came, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. She picked up her son and left. Then we read Second Kings verse chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 16 and 17. Elisha said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Get ready, you and your household, and go and live as a foreigner wherever you can. For the Lord has announced a seven-year famine, and it has already come to the land. So the woman got ready and did what the man of God said. She and her household lived as foreigners in the land of the Philistines for seven years. In verse 16 and 17, In the fifth year of Israel's king Joram, son of Ahab, Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, became king of Judah, replacing his father, he was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 34. The rest of Jehoshaphat's reign from beginning to end are written about in the events of Jehu son of Hanani, which is recorded in the book of Israel's kings. And Second Chronicles 21 verse 1 to 7. Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. 
his son Jehoram became king in his place. He had brothers, sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azariah, Michael, and Sheptiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Their father had given them many gifts of silver, gold, and valuable things, along with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. When Jehoram had established himself over his father's kingdom, he strengthened his position by killing with the sword all his brothers, as well as some of the princes of Israel. Jehoram was thirty-two years old when he became king. He reigned eight years in Jerusalem. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done, for Ahab's daughter was his wife. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but because of the covenant the Lord had made with David, he was unwilling to destroy the house of David, since the Lord had promised to give a lamp to David and his sons forever. And then Second Chronicles 21 verse 11. Jehoram had also built high places in the hills of Judah, and he caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves, and he led Judah astray. And First Kings chapter 22 verse 45 and verse 50. The rest of the events of Jehoshaphat's reign, along with the might he exercised and how he waged war, are written about in the historical record of Judah's kings. Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of his forefather David. His son Jehoram became king in his place. And Second Kings chapter 8 verse 18 to 19. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done, for Ahab's daughter was his wife. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. The Lord was unwilling to destroy Judah because of his servant David, since he had promised to give a lamp to David and his sons forever. And then Obadiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 14 to finish today. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the Lord God has said about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord, an envoy has been sent among the nations. Rise up and let us go to war against her. Look, I will make you insignificant among the nations. You will be deeply despised. Your presumptuous heart has deceived you, you who live in clefts of the rock in your home on the heights, who say to yourself, Who can bring me down to the ground? Though you seem to soar like an eagle and make your nest among the stars, even from there I will bring you down. This is the Lord's declaration. If thieves came to you, if marauders by night, how ravaged you will be. Wouldn't they steal only what they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, wouldn't they leave some grapes? How Esau will be pillaged, his hidden treasures searched out. Everyone who has a treaty with you will drive you to the border. Everyone at peace with you will deceive and conquer you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you. He will be unaware of it. In that day, the Lord's declaration, will I not eliminate the wise ones of Edom and those who understand from the hill country of Esau? Teman, your warriors will be terrified so that everyone from the hill country of Esau will be destroyed by slaughter. You will be covered with shame and destroyed forever because of violence done to your brother Jacob. On the day you stood aloof, on the day strangers captured his wealth, while foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were just like one of them. Do not gloat over your brother in the day of his calamity. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction. Do not boastfully mock in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their disaster. Yes, you do not gloat over their misery in the day of their disaster, and do not appropriate their possessions in the day of their disaster. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off their fugitives, and do not hand over their survivors in the day of distress. 
And there we end day 165. Day 166 and we continue again through 2nd Kings and then also 2nd Chronicles alongside. Plus we finish off Obadiah. But we begin today at 2nd Kings chapter 4 verse 38 to 44. When Elisha returned to Gilgal there was famine in the land. The sons of the prophets were sitting at his feet. He said to his attendant, Put on a large pot and make stew for the sons of the prophets. One went out to the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine from which he gathered as many wild gourds as his garment would hold. Then he came back and cut them up into the pot of stew, but they were unaware of what they were. They served some for the men to eat, but when they ate the stew they cried out, There's death in the pot, man of God! And they were unable to eat it. Then Elisha said, Get some meal. He threw it into the pot and said, Serve it for the people to eat. And there was nothing bad in the pot. A man from Baal-Shishalah came to the man of God with his sack full of twenty loaves of barley bread from the first bread of the harvest. Elisha said, Give it to the people to eat. But Elisha's attendant asked, What? Am I to set twenty loaves before a hundred men? Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and they will have some left over. So he gave it to them, and as the Lord had promised, they ate and had some left over. And then we finish Obadiah from chapter 1, verse 15 to 21. For the day of the Lord is near against all the nations. As you have done, so it will be done to you. What you deserve will return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and gulp down and be as though they had never been. But there will be a deliverance on Mount Zion, and it will be holy. The house of Jacob will dispossess those who dispossess them. Then in the house of Jacob will be a blazing fire, and the house of Joseph a burning flame. But the house of Esau will be stubble. They will set them on fire and consume them. Therefore no survivor will remain in the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will possess the hill country of Esau. Those from the Judean foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will possess the territories of Ephraim and Samaria, while Benjamin will possess Gilead. The exiles of the Israelites who are in Halal, and who are among the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sherapad, will possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors will ascend Mount Zion to rule over the hill country of Esau, but the kingdom will be the Lord's. Then we read Second Kings chapter 8, verse 20 to 22. During Jehoram's reign, Edom rebelled against Judah's control and appointed their own king. So Jehoram crossed over to Zaire with all his chariots. Then at night he set out to attack the Edomites who had surrounded him and the chariot commanders, but his troops fled to their tents. So Edom is still in rebellion against Judah's control today. Libna also rebelled at that time. And the same in Second Chronicles chapter 21, verse 8-10. to during Jehoram's reign, Edom rebelled against Judah's domination and appointed their own king. So Jehoram crossed into Edom with his commanders and all his chariots. Then at night he set out to attack the Edomites who had surrounded him and the chariot commanders. So Edom is still in rebellion against Judah's domination today. Libna also rebelled at that time against his domination because he had abandoned the Lord God of his ancestors. And then chapter 21 verses 12 to 20. Then a letter came to Jehoram from Elijah the prophet, saying, 
This is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. Because you have not walked in the ways of your father Jehoshaphat or in the ways of Asa king of Judah, but have walked in the way of the kings of Israel, have caused Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves like the house of Ahab prostituted itself, and also have killed your brothers, your father's family, who were better than you. The Lord is now about to strike your people, your sons, your wives, and all your possessions with a horrible affliction. You yourself will be struck with many illnesses, including a disease of the intestines, until your intestines come out day after day because of the disease. The Lord put it into the mind of the Philistines and the Arabs who live near the Cushites to attack Jehoram. So they went to war against Judah and invaded it. They carried off all the possessions found in the king's palace and also his sons and wives. Not a son was left to him except Jehoahaz, his youngest son. After all these things, the Lord afflicted him in his intestines with an incurable disease. This continued day after day until two full years had passed. Then his intestines came out because of his disease and he died from severe illnesses. But his people did not hold a fire in his honour like the fire in honour of his fathers. Jehoram was thirty-two years old when he became king. He reigned eight years in Jerusalem. He died to no one's regret and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tomb of the kings. Then we read Second Kings 23-24. The rest of the events of Jehoram's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Jehoram rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and his son Ahaziah became king in his place. Then we read Second Kings chapter 5 verse 1 through to chapter 6 verse 7 for the rest of today. Naaman, commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a great man in his master's sight and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a brave warrior, but he had a skin disease. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore the king of Aram said, Go, and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So he went and took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel and had it read, When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Naaman for you to cure him of his his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, Am I God killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? Think it over and you will see that he is only picking a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Then Elisha sent a messenger who said, Go, wash seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself he will surely come out, stand and call on the name of Yahweh his God, and will wave his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. Aren't Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, 
My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he tells you, wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according to the command of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, I stand before him, I will not accept it. Naaman urged him to accept it, but he refused. Naaman responded, If not, please let two mule loads of dirt be given to your servant, for your servant will no longer offer a burnt offering or a sacrifice to any other god but Yahweh. However, in a particular matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master, the king of Aram, goes into the temple of Rimon to worship, and I, as his right-hand man, bow in the temple of Rimon, when I bow in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. So he said to him, Go in peace. After Naaman had travelled a short distance from Elisha, Gehazi, the attendant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, My master has let this Aramean Naaman off lightly by not accepting from him what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something for him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and asked, Is everything all right? Gehazi said, It's all right. My master has sent me to say, I have just now discovered that two young men from the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them seventy-five pounds of silver and two changes of clothes. But Naaman insisted, Please accept one hundred and fifty pounds. He urged Gehazi and then packed one hundred and fifty pounds of silver in two bags with two changes of clothes. Naaman gave them to two of his young men who carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the gifts from them and stored them in the house. Then he dismissed the men and they left. Gehazi came and stood by his master. Where did you go, Gehazi? Elisha asked him. Your servant didn't go anywhere, he replied. But Elisha questioned him. Wasn't my spirit there when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is it a time to accept money and clothes, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen and male and female slaves? Therefore Naaman's skin disease will cling to you and your descendants forever. So Gehazi went out from his presence, diseased white as snow. The sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Please notice that the place where we live under your supervision is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan where we can each get a log and can build ourselves a place to live there. Go, he said. Then one said, Please come with your servants. I'll come, he answered. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, O oh, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God asked, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, the man of God cut a stick, threw it there, and made the iron float. Then he said, Pick it up. So he reached out and took it. And there we end, day 166. Day 167, and we continue through Second Kings from chapter 6, verse 8. We continue through with a few extra verses thrown into chapter 8, verse 6. When the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, he conferred with his servants, My camp will be at such and such a place. 
But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Be careful passing by this place, for the Arameans are going down there. Consequently, the king of Israel sent word to the place the man of God had told him about. The man of God repeatedly warned the king so the king would be on his guard. The king of Aram was enraged because of this matter, and he called his servants and demanded of them, Tell me which of you is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No one, my lord the king. Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in your bedroom. So the king said, Go and see where he is, so I can send men to capture him. When he was told Elisha is in Dothan, he sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city, so he asked Elisha, O my master, what are we to do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Arameans came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Please strike this nation with blindness. So he struck them with blindness according to Elisha's word. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. When they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open these men's eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes. They looked and discovered that they were in Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? I will kill them. Elisha replied, Don't kill them. Do you kill those you have captured with your sword or your bow? Set food and water in front of them so they can eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. When they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. The Aramean raiders did not come into Israel's land again. And then we quickly read two verses, the first from 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 29. And the second, well, read that one first. It was the eleventh year of Joram, son of Ahab, that Ahaziah became king over Judah. And then also Second Kings 8, verse 25. In the twelfth year of Israel's king Joram, son of Ahab, Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, became king of Judah. And then back into Second Kings 6, verse 24, through to chapter 8, verse 6. Sometime later, King Ben-Hadad of Aram brought all his military units together and marched up to besiege Samaria. So there was a great famine in Samaria, and they continued the siege against it, until a donkey's head sold for eighty silver shekels, and a cup of dove's dung sold for five silver shekels. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, My lord, the king, help! He answered, If the lord doesn't help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor or the wine press? Then the king asked her, What's the matter? She said, this woman said to me, Give up your son, and we will eat him today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him, and I said to her the next day, Give up your son, and we will eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his clothes. Then as he was passing by on the wall, the people saw that there was sackcloth under his clothes next to his skin. He announced, May God punish me and do so severely if the head of Elisha, son of Shepat, remains on his shoulders today. Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. 
The king sent a man ahead of him, but before the messengers got to him, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see how this murderer has sent someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door to keep him out. Isn't the sound of his master's feet behind him? While Elisha was still speaking with them, the messengers came down to him. Then he said, This disaster is from the Lord. Why should I trust the Lord any longer? Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow at the gate of Samaria, six quarts of fine meal will sell for a shekel, and twelve quarts of barley will sell for a shekel. Then the captain, the king's right-hand man, responded to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? Elisha announced, You will in fact see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Four men with skin diseases were at the entrance to the gate. They said to each other, Why just sit here until we die? If we say, Let's go into the city, we will die there because the famine is in the city. But if we sit here, we will also die. So now, come on, let's go to the Arameans' camp. If they let us live, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. So the diseased men got up at twilight to go to the Arameans' camp. When they came to the camp's edge, they discovered that there was not a single man there, for the Lord had caused the Aramean camp to hear the sound of chariots, horses, and a great army. The Arameans had said to each other, The king of Israel must have hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So they had gotten up and fled at twilight, abandoning their tents, horses, and donkeys. The camp was intact, and they had fled for their lives. When these men came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent to eat and drink. Then they picked up the silver, gold, and clothing, and went off and hid them. They came back and entered another tent, picked things up, and hid them. Then they said to each other, We are not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, we will be punished. Let's go tell the king's household. The diseased men went and called to the city's gatekeepers and told them, We went to the army and camp and no one was there, no human sounds. There was nothing but tethered horses and donkeys and the tents were intact. The gatekeepers called out and the news was reported to the king's household. So the king got up in the night and said to his servants, Let me tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving, so they have left the camp to hide in the open country, thinking, When they come out of the city, we will take them alive and go into the city. But one of his servants responded, Please let messengers take five of the horses that are left in the city. The messengers are like the whole multitude of Israel who will die, so let's send them and see. The messengers took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them after the Aramean army, saying, Go and see. So they followed them as far as the Jordan. They saw that the whole way was littered with clothes and equipment the Arameans had thrown off in their haste. The messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and plundered the Aramean camp. It was then that six quarts of fine meal sold for a shekel, and twelve quarts of barley sold for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. The king had appointed a captain, his right-hand man, to be in charge of the gate, but the people trampled him in the gateway. He died just as the man of God had predicted when the king came to him. When the man of God had said to the king, About this time tomorrow twelve quarts of barley will sell for a shekel, and six quarts of fine meal will sell for a shekel at the gate of Samaria, this captain had answered the man of God, Look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? Elisha had said, You will in fact see it with your own eyes, but not eat any of it. 
This is what happened to him. The people trampled him in the gateway and he died. When the woman returned from the land of the Philistines at the end of seven years, she went to appeal to the king for her house and field. The king had been speaking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me all the great things Elisha has done. When he was telling the king how Elisha restored the dead son to life, the woman whose son he had restored to life came to appeal to the king for her house and field. So Gehazi said, My lord the king, this is the woman and this is the son Elisha restored to life. When the king asked the woman, she told him the story. So the king appointed a court official for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, along with all the income from the field from the day she left the country until now. Then we skip into Second Kings chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he became king. He reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, granddaughter of Israel's king Omri. He walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did what was evil in the Lord's sight like the house of Ahab, for he was a son-in-law to Ahab's family. And Second Chronicles chapter 22 verse 1 to 4. Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah his youngest son king in his place, because the troop that had come with the Arabs to the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah son of Jehoram became king of Judah. Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he became king. He reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, granddaughter of Omri. He walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother gave him evil advice. So he did what was evil in the Lord's sight like the house of Ahab, for they were his advisers after the death of his father to his destruction. And then we read Second Kings chapter 8, verse 7 to 15 to finish today. Elisha came to Damascus while Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, was sick, and the king was told, The man of God has come here. So the king said to Hazazel, Take a gift with you and go to meet the man of God. Inquire of the Lord through him, will I recover from this sickness? Hazael went to meet Elisha, taking with him a gift, forty camel loads of all kinds of goods from Damascus. When he came and stood before him, he said, Your son, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, has sent me to ask you, Will I recover from this sickness? Elisha told him, Go say to him, You are sure to recover. But the Lord has shown me that he is sure to die. Then Elisha stared steadily at him until Hazael was ashamed. The man of God wept, and Hazael asked, Why is my Lord weeping? He replied, Because I know the evil you will do to the people of Israel. You will set their fortresses on fire, you will kill their young men with the sword, you will dash their little ones to pieces, you will rip open their pregnant woman. Hazael said, How could your servant, a mere dog, do this monstrous thing? Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you will be king over Aram. Hazael left Elisha and went to his master, who asked him, What did Elisha say to you? He responded, He told me you are sure to recover. The next day Hazael took a heavy cloth, dipped it in water, and spread it over the king's face. Ben-Hadad died, and Hazael reigned instead of him. And there we end, day 167. Day 168, and we continue again through Second Kings and Second Chronicles. And there's a little bit of jumping about today again, but we start at Second Kings chapter 8, verse 28 to 29. 
Ahaziah went with Joram son of Ahab to fight against Hazael king of Aram and Ramoth Gilead, and the Arameans wounded Joram. So King Joram returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds that the Arameans had inflicted on him in Ramoth Gilead when he fought against Aram's king Hazael. Then Judah's king Ahaziah son of Jehoram went down to Jezreel to visit Joram son of Ahab since Joram was ill. And the same in Second Chronicles 22 verse 5 to 6. He also followed their advice and went with Joram, son of Israel's king Ahab, to fight against Hazael, king of Aram in Ramoth-Gilead. The Arameans wounded Joram, so he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds they inflicted on him in Ramoth-Gilead when he fought against Aram's king Hazael. Then Judah's king Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, went down to Jezreel to visit Joram, son of Ahab, since Joram was ill. And then Second Kings chapter 9, verse 1 to 26. The prophet Elisha called one of the sons of the prophets and said, Tuck your mantle under your belt, take this flask of oil with you and go to Ramoth-Gilead. When you get there, look for Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi. Go in, get him from his colleagues and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil, pour it on his head and say, This is what the Lord says, I anoint you king over Israel. Open the door and escape, don't wait. So the young prophet went to Ramoth-Gilead. When he arrived, the army commanders were sitting there, so he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu asked for which one of us he answered for you, commander. So Jehu got up and went into the house. The young prophet poured the oil on his head and said, This is what the Lord God of Israel says, I anoint you king over the Lord's people Israel. You are to strike down the house of your master Ahab, so that I may avenge the blood shed by the hand of Jezebel the blood of my servants, the prophets, and of all the servants of the Lord. The whole house of Ahab will perish, and I will eliminate all of Ahab's males, both slave and free in Israel. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah. The dogs will eat Jezebel in the plot of land at Jezreel. No one will bury her. Then the young prophet opened the door and escaped. When Jehu came out to his master's servants, they asked, is everything all right? Why did this crazy person come to you? And he said to them, You know this sword and they're running. But they replied, That's a lie. Tell us. So Jehu said, He talked to me about this and that and said, This is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. Each man quickly took his garment and put it under Jehu on the bare steps. They blew the ram's horn and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Then Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Joram and all Israel had been at Ramoth-Gilead on guard against Hazael, king of Aram. But King Joram had returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds that the Arameans had inflicted on him when he fought against Aram's king Hazael. Jehu said, If you commanders wish to make me king, then don't let anyone escape from the city to go tell about it in Jezreel. Jehu got into his chariot and went into Jezreel, since Joram was laid up there, and Azaziah, king of Judah, had gone down to visit Joram. Now the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel. He saw Jehu's troops approaching and shouted, I see troops. Joram responded, Choose a rider and send him to meet them and have him asked, Do you come in peace? Jehu replied, What do you have to do with peace fallen behind me? The watchman reported the messenger reached them but hasn't started back. 
So he sent out a second horseman who went to them and said, This is what the king asked, do you come in peace? Jehu answered, What do you have to do with peace fallen behind me? Again the watchman reported, He's reached them but hasn't started back. Also the driving is like that of Jehu, son of Nimshi, he drives like a madman. Harnessed, Joram shouted, and they harnessed his chariot. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, set out, each in his own chariot, and met Jehu at the plot of land of Naboth the Jezreelite. When Joram saw Jehu, he asked, Do you come in peace, Jehu? He answered, What peace can there be as long as there is so much prostitution and witchcraft from your mother Jezebel? Joram turned around and fled, shouting to Ahaziah, It's treachery, Ahaziah. Then Jehu drew his bow and shot Joram between the shoulders. The arrow went through his heart and he slumped down in his chariot. Jehu said to Bidkar his aid, Pick him up and throw him on the plot of ground belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember when you and I were riding side by side behind his father, father Ahab, and the Lord uttered this oracle against him. As surely as I saw the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons yesterday, this is the Lord's message, so will I repay you on this plot of land. This is the Lord's message. So now, according to the word of the Lord, pick him up and throw him on the plot of land. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 22, verse 7 to 10. With his going to Joram, Ahaziah's downfall was from God, for when Ahaziah went, he went out with Joram to meet Jehu, son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to destroy the house of Ahab. So it happened when Jehu executed judgment in the house of Ahab, he found the rulers of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers who were serving Ahaziah, and he killed them. Then Jehu looked for Ahaziah, and Jehu's soldiers captured him. He was hiding in Samaria. Then they brought him to Jehu, and they killed him. They buried him, for they said, He is the grandson of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no one to exercise power over the kingdom. When Athaliah, Ahaziah's mother, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to annihilate all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. And then we go back to Second Kings chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. Then he set out and went on his way to Samaria. On the way, while he was at the Beth Eked of the shepherds, Jehu met the relatives of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and asked, Who are you? They answered, We are Ahaziah's relatives. We've come down to greet the king's sons and the queen mother's sons. Then Jehu ordered, Take them alive. So they took them alive and had them slaughtered at the pit of Beth Eked, forty-two men. He didn't spare any of them. And back into Second Kings 9, chapter 27 to 28. When King Ahaziah of Judah saw what was happening, he fled up the road towards Beth Hagan. Jehu pursued him, shouting, Shoot him too! So they shot him in his chariot at Gur Pass near Ibleam, but he fled to Megiddo and died there. Then his servants carried him to Jerusalem in a chari chariot and buried him in his father's tomb in the city of David. And Second Kings 11, verse 1 to 3. When Adaliah, Ahaziah's mother, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to annihilate all the royal heirs. Jehoshabah, who was King Jehoram's daughter, and Ahaziah's sister secretly rescued Joash, son of Ahaziah, from the king's sons who were being killed and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So he was hidden from Athaliah and was not killed. Joash was in hiding with Jehoshaphat 
in the Lord's temple six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. Then we read Second Chronicles 22, verse 11 to 12, the same story. Jehoshabeth, the king's daughter, rescued Joash, son of Ahaziah, from the king's son, who were being killed and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Now Jehoshabeth was the daughter of King Jehoram and the wife of Jehoiada the priest. Since she was Ahaziah's sister, she hid Joash from Athaliah so that she did not kill him. While Athaliah ruled over the land, he was hiding with them in God's temple six years. And then we read Second Kings chapter 9, verse 30 to 37 to finish today. When Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard about it, so she painted her eyes, adorned her head, and looked down from the window. As Jehu entered the gate, she said, Do you come in peace, Zimri, killer of your master? He looked up toward the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him, and he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses, and Jehu rode over her. Then he went in, ate, and drank, and said, Take care of this cursed woman and bury her, since she's a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they did not find anything but her skull, her feet, and the palms of her hands. So they went back and told him, and he said, This fulfills the Lord's word that he spoke through his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the plot of land at Jezreel, the dogs will eat Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's corpse will be like manure on the surface of the field in the plot of land at Jezreel, so that no one will be able to say, This is Jezebel. And there we end, day 168 and week 24.